This is a Together Church podcast, a place to explore meaning, friendship, and faith in Jesus. We'd love you to connect with our community. Find out more at togetherchurch.com.au. Hi, my name's Daniel. If I haven't met you, I'm the pastor of Together Church, and I'm so thankful to be able to start to combine our communities together and see what God might do. And today we're going to start a series called Better Together. Uh, about reimagining what God might do as we work together as two communities merging to become one in this Together 1030 service. And I must admit, like Jamie and I and, and a number of us are, are really excited about this partnership between our two communities. Uh, and and I, I know it's going to take some time to get to know each other and to work out you know, some differences in the way we might gather together. I loved actually what Elizabeth prayed that this is a place for vulnerability, that God is vulnerable with us and we can be vulnerable with each other. I think that's, that's really quite a beautiful insight. And, uh, but as we build trust, as we build friendship, I believe that God will truly bless this gathering and I know that God loves it when his people come together in unity, uh, in oneness. So over the next four weeks, we will be exploring what it means to be better together in community, uh, in mission, better together for discipleship, better together uh, in worship. And uh, I believe that this will make us, you know, together, uh, we will be stronger and more unified, more diverse as we seek to love Jesus and love others together. And so this talk is about community. It's about God's vision for what it means to be a community in Christ and what it means to commit to community and to grow in togetherness uh, as one body. So, look, one of the defining moments of my life is a very old photograph, nearly 20 years ago. Uh, when, well, more than 20 years ago, now I've given my age away. Uh, I first, where I first experienced authentic, close-knit, uh, heartfelt community. And this is when I was 19 year, years old, staying in a village in, in Vanuatu. And I was part of a Churches of Christ discipleship development program. And we spent the year preparing for this trip. I learned Bislamar, which is the pidgin English of Vanuatu. Uh, I studied Ni Vanuatu culture. We studied the Bible. We studied what it looked like to be missionaries. And I prepared for this six-week exposure trip to the Vanuatu. Uh, and, and to get to our village, I flew with another teenager because they sent us out in pairs uh, into a remote village. You'd never be allowed to do this nowadays for a whole lot of reasons. Uh, but we ended up on this remote island in Malakula. And uh, after we landed on this small landing strip, uh, my friend and Mark and I, uh, who were the only two white people, a white fella on the, mount on the island, we, we had a bush knife and our guide helped us and we hacked our way for about an hour through the jungle uh, until we reached uh, our village. And there was no electricity, uh, there was no outside communication. Uh, and, and only one person spoke English in the village who was the village pastor. So it was an amazing experience. Uh, and one of the most striking things that I immediately noticed about this crazy new world that I was living in, uh, in Ni Vanuatu culture, was that people share life together in a really different way. They didn't talk about community like we do. They just were <laughs> a community, and it was amazing. Uh, so, so in this village, I experienced what I can only say is just deep fellowship, deep community. Uh, we ate and we worked, we prayed and we sang and we cooked and we played music and we worshipped together. Uh, everything we shared uh, was common. We shared possessions 
There was laughter and joy. Our kids just were raised with the community. Uh, and, and it was just such an experience of life that was transformative for me. Uh, look, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that in Vanuatu life was perfect. Uh, there was poverty, there was illness, there was superstition, uh, there was a lack of opportunity and education for young people uh, that really impacted their lives. So it certainly wasn't paradise, but their communal way of living was absolutely beautiful. And it changed how I saw the world and it became very formative uh, in the way in which I understand who we are as God's people, as a church. So, interestingly, I, I remember going back to Van uh, Adelaide, uh, where I lived. This is Rundle Mall, and I used to study in town, and I remember you know, going to Rundle Mall a few days after I got back and being absolutely struck by how independent and isolated we are in my own culture. Uh, you know, life is so fast in our culture, and that was in the 90s, you know, let alone now. Uh, and we think in such an individualized, me-centered, consumptive way. Uh, and, and I noticed that coming back from a place where I'd experienced community. And I realized for the first time just how much in Australia we think and act like individuals. You know, I am in control of how I use my time. And even if I decide to be involved in community, it's because I'm choosing to do so. Does that make sense? It's such an individual way of seeing the world. And, and I'm not anti-individualist societies. I mean, there are some beautiful things about living in Australia. I love that we get to choose where we live. Uh, I get to choose what career to pursue and who I married and what hobbies I enjoy. So there's some beauty in choice. But in Australia, we have gone way past the point where empowering the individual is helpful, and we are becoming what sociologists call a hyper-individualized society. We're just individual to the point where it is becoming damaging. Uh, our obsession with me and my rights and my freedoms has gone beyond what is healthy, and it's leading to the fracturing and breaking down of society in many areas of life, leading to epidemics of loneliness and depression and mental illness and anxiety, uh, and lostness because we've lost the sense of togetherness. Uh, and and that, that's something that I ended up experiencing coming home. And, and what I've realized is there, there is a deep joy, a deep satisfaction, and a great security uh, in not living alone, in, in submitting your life to the rhythms of a community, to build deep bonds of friendship, uh, and to put your trust in Jesus in the context of a faith community like our own. And as Christians, what's interesting, I found this you know, image on Google, which I thought was great. Uh, I put in um, individual in church, and this came up. But um, uh, as Christians, we're not immune from being individualistic. And I'm watching you to make sure that you're not checking your phones right now. Uh, you know, like fish in water, uh, we are discipled by the culture around us and we are impacted by the things we see and the things we do, what, what we watch on net, Netflix, what we talk about uh, in uh, you know, the schoolyard or, or in the workplace. And if we are to be better together as a church community, we will also need to turn to the scriptures and examine our hearts and examine our minds and our habits in order to live out God's vision for what it means to be the church. And that starts with the scriptures. And so I want to read again from Acts 2. We heard this before, Acts 2, 42 to 47. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, what a vision for church community. Uh, and, and what's fascinating is I, I was reading the passage and thinking, it actually just starts right at the beginning with this word, devotion. They devoted themselves to shared life. In other words, they were committed to community. They devoted themselves to the teaching and life and rhythms of the community. Uh, they were committed to turning up again and again to learn and worship and share and serve alongside their fellow believers. And, and in my experience, most people I meet desire community. That's a fair, is that fair enough? You know, most of us want a greater and richer sense of friendship and connection with others around us. Uh, but Christian community is costly, and we see that in Acts 2. And, and it starts with commitment, with devotion. Uh, the willingness to commit to a particular group of people and a particular set of patterns week after week after week over time, and then you experience community. And I've had so many conversations with Christians over the years who say that they feel dissatisfied or unhappy with the level of community that they're experiencing in church, and they want deeper friendships, they want more from church. And I'm sure you've heard of other people, or you might be one of those people yourself. Uh, but when I ask about their devotion to community, to the patterns and rhythms of turning up week after week consistently and serving and being involved in the life of the community, uh, often I hear responses that are quite half-hearted. You know, if you attend sporadically, uh, if you come along on an ad hoc basis, whenever you feel like it, when the weather's good or maybe when the weather's bad or... Uh, you know, when you've got nothing else on, then it's very hard to experience something that looks and feels like a genuine community. Does that make sense? It's, it's pretty basic, but we find it hard to commit. And, and what we see in the early church is that they devoted themselves to being formed in Christ's likeness, in meeting daily, you see here, uh, to eating, to learning, to serving. Uh, it, it required a sense of loyalty to the community and to the community life. And I believe this is where... Uh, we all need to repent to a certain level, uh, to a certain degree, of, from selfish thinking, from individual thinking that we adopt from the culture around us, where we live and think independ uh, independently rather than interdependently, which is what I see in the Scriptures. Uh, and interestingly, I've come to the conclusion that our time and our calendars are actually not our own. They belong to God and He calls us into community. The scriptures call for a radical surrender of our autonomy of time so that we can love and, and grow for the sake of others and ourselves. Loving God, loving others. Uh, and the early church sacrificed their right to do their own thing. They devoted themselves to shared living and were committed to the radical patterns of community, which is really radical today, even in the church. So the first point, if you want to experience deep and real community this year, you have to turn up. Uh, and when you turn up again and again, bumping shoulders regularly with the same people, then stuff happens. Relationships grow, 
Our joy is experienced in new ways. God is seen in miraculous ways. We see this and, and you feel part of a tribe on mission, a family on mission. But it starts with surrender. It starts with devotion. You follow? Okay. Look, and, and just to pause for a moment, uh, if you've heard me speak in the past, I like to pause. I'm an introvert, and I, I like to give a space for those introverts in the room who need to process the information before we move to the third and second, well, second and third point. Uh, so we are in a season of change as a community, and I realize that. Uh, and we're just getting to know each other as two different church communities meeting as one. And I'm excited about it because I love change, but for many of us, this is a really hard experience and I really recognise that. Uh, We recognise that this can feel disorienting to have this change and to meet together in a new way. Uh, And I know that there are people from both of our churches who are uh, hesitant and um, who, who it feels like there might be a bit of a loss to lose the security and familiarity and, and consistency of what they've known. Uh, and maybe you're just burdened by yet another change and we just want something to be the same. Uh, and I realise that. So, and I, I know God is in this place and God will do stuff in your hearts. You know, we're not changing for the sake of it, we're, we're changing it because God is calling us to do something new and he will walk with us individually and together through this. And so I encourage you to have an open heart and a generous spirit uh, and to participate in this, even if you're hesitant. And uh, we need your prayers and your encouragement uh, and your devotion because we are the church so that we can be bigger and stronger and see God move in great ways this year together. So I'd love you to pause and just do a heart check. What is God saying to you? Where are you in this right now? I won't ask you to share anything. Just, just do some quiet reflection with God and let him speak to your heart and then I'll move on. So in Acts 2, community begins with devotion, with heart, with commitment. But then what? You can turn up, but what are you turning up to? Uh, What does a healthy Christian community look and feel like? In other words, what is the texture of what a Christian church can be when we're vibrant and healthy together? Uh, And here we see it all. It's beautiful. There is passionate teaching and learning to renew our minds with the wisdom of God through the Scriptures. There's breaking of bread and by this I understand that people were eating meals together in different ways and remembering the body and blood of Christ uh, broken for us in communion. Uh, There's passionate prayer which we see here and supernatural signs and wonders as believers practice the spiritual gifts. People can be healed in physical, emotional and spiritual ways, in miraculous, amazing ways in the church if we have faith and we allow God to move in our our in our midst, in unexpected ways. Uh, We see radical generosity in the book of Acts. The selling of possessions uh, and the giving to those in need. I mean, I read this and it's like so far beyond my level of generosity. It's extremely challenging. Um, But at least I can see that they were generous and they shared stuff. Money and time was given freely to bless the lost, the last and the least. 
Uh, and of course, we see fellowship. We see community, a, a commitment to shared life together as a community, not just knowing each other's names, but having things in common, having life in common, shared stories, shared language, uh, shared patterns and celebrations around a shared love for Jesus. And this is the texture of what it feels like to be the church. It's what the texture. It, uh, we may never reach this. I, I realize this. I've had glimpses of this and it's been beautiful, but I've also had experiences of church which are quite different from this. Uh, but the early church also had conflict and division. You see it all through the book of Acts. So they weren't perfect either. They were just like us, sinners being saved by Jesus and led by the Spirit of God into communion. Uh, but at our best, we can be this. This is what we should aim for as the church. And this texture of church is not just beautiful for us, it is beautiful for, for unbelievers, for those who don't yet know Jesus. And that is why they're attracted. Our people are attracted to a community of faith who love one another and love God. It's missional. So if I go back to my Vanuatu story, you know, this is, this is Banana Lap Lap, and the man next to me is the pastor. He is a lovely man. He was the only one who spoke English, and he had been to Australia on a, on a visitation and I asked him just once when we were eating and living together, you know, what are some strange or interesting things about Australia that you noticed from Vanuatu coming the other way? And he said three things. He said, firstly, we tell our young people not to smoke, but in Australia, everyone smokes, including the pastors. And I was like, that's not my experience of Australia. And he goes, yeah, even I smoked. <sighs> and I realized that, he came in winter and he couldn't believe that when you talked, like smoke came out of your mouth. <laughs> and in Bislamar, language is very literal. So um, in Australia, everyone smokes, even the pastors. Uh, and he thought that was great. The second thing he said was that people don't talk to each other in the streets. They don't greet each other or make eye contact. They don't, uh, they, they just don't talk to strangers. And, and that's so different in Vanuatu. Uh, and the third thing which uh, he said was, it was so strange and unusual that everyone has a little fence around their house. We must be very scared and lonely. And I always remember that comment. And it changed the way I saw my culture. Does that make sense? Uh, and it really confronted me because it showed me the individualized way that I think day by day without even knowing it. And from an Acts 2 perspective, from a Nivanuatu perspective, fences are really unusual. You know, I mean, I'm not talking about fences, you know, practically for a dog or, or for particular reasons, but I'm talking about the fact that we put little fences around our house with no other functionality except to say, this is mine, and that's yours, and this is my boundary, uh, which is very opposite in some ways to sharing life in common. Uh, I remember leaving Vanuatu very convicted by this, this comment, and thinking that I wanted to shift the way I lived in order to live a more communal life. So years later, years later, after I'd been married and uh, we moved to Tassie, my wife and I met another couple who also had a similar conviction and we bought land and built two houses together. Uh, we share a common deck and barbecue area and chook sheds and garden. We, we share life together. We even share a, uh, a poo pump. That's how much we share stuff in common. Uh, but we did it with no fences and we did it deliberately because we wanted to communicate that our lives are open to those around us. Uh, we haven't been perfect at this, but that was our heartbeat. 
Uh, and so, look, m- many of you, if you're in together church, you've come and eaten at our house, I'm sure. But uh, our two families have now lived in community for 12 years. Uh, we've had kids, shared milestones. There's been highs. There's been terrible lows. But um, we've shared these times together. And it's been wonderful, but also challenging because it's shown us just how individually we think and how me-centered we are. Uh, And yet that's been beautiful because God's used that to change us and to transform us into his likeness. And I think I've learned more from my mistakes and my selfishness than uh, my successes. But the one thing that I can definitely say that has worked over these 12 years of living together in community uh, is that we have been dedicated or committed to life together. We have had patterns of eating and learning and praying and serving uh, in the name of Jesus and it has held us together and allowed us to walk through hard times and good times, conflict and joy and celebrations as a community. Uh, And I'm absolutely not saying that you need to buy land and do such a kind of a committed, full-on expression of church community to uh, be a missional community or a church. I mean, far from it. I I increasingly see the value in proximity. I think it's important to live close by to the people you do life with. Uh, But fellowship isn't about geography. It's about a commitment to the shared patterns that we see in the book of Acts. Uh, Turning up week after week, dedicated to the life of the community. And it's interesting because in our experience, uh, we lived next door for a few years and it was great. And then we drifted apart. And I realized that actually... (laughs) If we were to experience something close to each other, even if we built houses together, we would need to do something more than just simply be next door. And we know this, right? I mean, you can live next door to people for years and years and not even know their name. Okay, so geography doesn't lead to community. uh, And you certainly won't share life together unless you do something different with your neighbours. And this was true for us as well. And it wasn't until we started to eat and learn and pray and serve together in a committed way that we started to experience this sense of kind of this texture of church. Uh, And so over the last 12 years, we've had lots of different patterns. But right now, uh, as an example, we we meet once a week at 6.15 on a Thursday and we pray. And we actually do too much talking and not enough praying sometimes, uh, but we always manage to pray at some point. Uh, we eat dinner on a Wednesday once a fortnight and we have other people involved in those dinners uh, with believers and those who don't yet know Jesus. We worship and read the Bible together uh, as a missional community with other families every fortnight and then we reach out to friends who don't know Jesus, our neighbours and, and people from work and other colleagues we know. We, we have a fire pit once a month, oh, once every, sorry, three months now and we eat spuds. Uh, so it's not huge but there's patterns. Uh, I know with the missional community that we saw uh, that Jamie started in Southern Beaches with all the communities that that we saw you know it could be as simple as having a meal together once a week and then once a week you might move from that meal to board games and invite friends another time you do a bible study another time you share testimonies it doesn't have to be complex but there's patterns and rhythms that lead to a shared life. Uh, So we're absolutely not an Acts 2 community, but what I would say is we have experienced teaching, breaking of bread, uh, prayer, supernatural blessings, sharing of stuff, uh, serving our neighbours, heartfelt fellowship, and a commitment to shared life with God at our centre on mission. Uh, And that's the texture of church. Just pause for a moment, and then I'll move to my final point.
Uh, so in, in the book of Acts, you see the texture, but you also see the structure of what a church could look like and how you might meet. So every day, every day they met together in the temple courts and they broke bread in homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, and people were added to their number. So uh, for a historical context, they didn't meet, uh, they, they were mainly Jewish people, this is before persecution, and the people met in a public space uh, outside of the temple courts, in the temple courts outside of the temple where others could gather. And there was something wonderful and beautiful about how they gathered. Uh, they met in temples, they met in the temple courts, and they met in homes. They shared in organized ways, they shared in organic ways. So you have the temple, you have the home as a structure, you have big and small gatherings, you have organized and organic life together, you have church services, you have what we're calling missional communities. Uh, there's something about this pattern between temple and homes that is really important in the discipling of each other in Christ. And I believe that God is encouraging us to, to meet in large and small ways uh, and that is one of the reasons that we're gathering together as two communities, because we both have a heart to see this service grow and become vibrant and full in God, and at the same time, send out people to become families on mission, doing community together, reaching people through missional communities. Uh, and the early church met in you know, particularly two ways. They met in the temple. Uh, the early church gathered a bit like we did, you know, we do, like a church service. There was public teaching and communal singing, public prayer, prophetic words. There was authentic fellowship. And I imagine people uh, in these uh, temple courts from all walks of life, so elderly people, uh, young people, rich people, poor people, slaves, free men, women. You know, that's the beauty of worshipping as one community in a larger group like this. We can be uh, the, the body of Christ in a diverse set of ways, uh, welcoming our friends and neighbours, and, and because they were such a welcoming community, people were added to their number daily. Services are the place where we can invite friends to experience God in a tangible way. Uh, it is a beautiful way of sacrificially welcoming people, worshipping God and learning about God's word. So I think it'd be great if this gathering together 10.30 be could, could become a little bit like what we see in the book of Acts, something where we are vibrant and growing and learning in breadth and depth and people are being added to our number daily. Uh, and on a very practical note, I know not many of us know each other here, <laughs> which is kind of unusual. Uh, you know, what we say, what I've been saying for a while, is that um, a really good kind of rule of thumb is three minutes after the service finishes, within the first three minutes, look around. If there's someone you don't know, someone who's new, uh, someone who's coming for the first time, make sure that someone's being friendly and welcoming. Uh, it's really unusual being a, well, uh, a newcomer, particularly if you don't go to church. If you're an unbeliever, you come to a church service like this, it's really confronting. And it's even more confronting in the first few minutes when all the people who know each other start chatting and you're kind of like, well, I clearly don't know anyone. Uh, so don't start with your friends. Start by talking to those who you don't know. You know don't be creepy and, and kind of... <laughs> you don't want 20 people lining up to talk to the new person. <laughs> and if someone is having a moment with God, then let them be. But, um, but look out for others and make sure someone is being welcomed. And I think that's particularly relevant now, right? Because in the first three minutes, well, let's not talk to someone we know from our own community. Let's talk to someone we don't know. And there might be people here who are from neither of our communities and are here for the first time, and so we'd like to welcome you as well. 
But there was something about the Acts 2 community that was welcoming because people were added to their number daily and it requires that we look out in these spaces and not just look in. Is that okay? Right, there's your challenge today. Not only in Acts do you see people meeting in the temple courts, but they met in homes, a bit like an extended family. And uh, the term we're using is missional community. It is our sincere hope that this year we will birth and see the birthing of new missional communities on the eastern shore together. And you can think of a missional community like an extended family on mission. So, you know, typically 15 to 30 people who meet throughout the week uh, to worship God and to love each other and to love those who don't yet know Jesus. Uh, There's no formula. You can do this in so many creative ways. uh, But missional communities often eat together and pray together and learn together and serve their neighbours or friends together in Jesus' name. They often meet in homes, like you see in the book of Acts, a bit like a family. Uh, And we say that they're uh, big enough to dare, but small enough to care. They're they're big enough where you can invite someone and it's kind of not weird because it's a big enough group that you can go to a barbecue and not feel like you're the only one who doesn't know anyone. But they're small enough uh, to care. You can know each other's names and care for each other. And they're a fantastic way to reach out to people who don't yet know Jesus so that they can experience something of church for the first time. So at Together Church, we already have missional communities in Risenvale, uh, in Kingston, in South Hobart. I know that Jamie and Claire saw an explosion of missional communities uh, during their time at Southern Beaches and have a heartbeat to see more here. And so look, I would, I would say if you're passionate about Jesus, if you look at this texture in the book of Acts and want more, uh, and if you have a passion to lead people into faith and help them know Jesus for the first time, then I would ask you to pray about what it might look like to gather regularly uh, with other believers in some creative form that God speaks to you about to start or join a missional community this year. Uh, Let us break bread in our homes with glad and sincere hearts, adding to our number those who are being saved. And and very finally, the the final piece of the puzzle worth mentioning, and this isn't specifically in the book of Acts, but I'm a real believer in discipleship groups, which are a kind of an even smaller unit, which often meet in homes, but they could meet here or in cafes. So two or three people usually, maybe four, usually guys and guys or girls and girls, so you can feel you can be vulnerable and real and authentic. Where you read the scriptures, you're you're accountable, you can confess sin, you can encourage each other in your discipleship and walk with Jesus. Uh, I think they're very easy to organise. They often take about an hour a fortnight or an hour a month, an uh, hour a week, and they can be very encouraging and connect with the life of either your missional community or our shared gathering here today, week after week. Um, and so I'd like you to consider that as well as you pray about what it might look like to live a life of togetherness in community. So to summary... What I see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, is uh, that they were devoted or committed to turning up to become a community week after week. Uh, They took part in the rhythms and texture of shared life, dedicated to the types of patterns we see in the book of Acts. And they were were involved in worship in temples, in houses, uh, in missional communities, in services, in discipleship groups, different forms to be one community together. Uh, Now, I know that not everyone can be involved in every form of community. You know, there's work and kids and health and life. We we don't want you to be exhausted by church. 
but, but there is a texture and a beauty and a richness of community that you can experience when uh, you commit to different patterns and rhythms to serve God and to love God, love each other and to love the world around us. Uh, and we can be together better in community as we do this. So we're going to have communion and, and I know this is a bit different than uh, what some of you may be used to, but rather than pause and, and sing, we'd like to move to communion as an act of uh, worship, as an act of thanksgiving and response to what you've heard. And so let's fix our eyes on Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, before we head to communion. I once heard someone say that if you want community and that's your aim, then you'll never experience it. But if you love Jesus, if you love his mission and and his calling, if you're here to serve him faithfully, then together community becomes something you experience as a byproduct. I don't think the people in the book of Acts chapter 2 were going out to find community. They were just enamoured because Jesus died and rose from the dead to save them from their sins, to transform their lives and to renew them. And because they couldn't help but meet with each other to celebrate Jesus and to tell others about him, they experienced community as a byproduct. Do you follow? And and so communion is our place to celebrate and worship Jesus, uh, to delight in the fact that he died and rose again and transformed our lives. Uh, He atoned for our sin. He brought in a new kingdom and he gave us a mission that we can participate in day by day.